Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. To the first letter of John, the first letter of John chapter 5, and um, I'm going to be teaching today on one of my most favorite subjects. Can anyone guess what that is? The subject of faith. The title of my message this, uh, this afternoon or this morning, if you are on the other side, it's entitled Overcoming Faith. And we are going to read 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5 from the New King James Version. This is what the Word says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is He who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's read that again. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. When Scripture speaks about the world, they are speaking about the spirit of this world, the value system of this present world, the mannerisms, the attitudes the temptations of this world. So whoever and whatever is born of God, Scripture says, overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So, we're going to talk about the God kind of faith in this session. The faith that overcomes the world and all that the forces of darkness that can throw against the believer in Christ Jesus. Now God the Father has given us this God kind of faith when we received Christ as our Lord and Savior. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, the word says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we're talking about the faith of God that was given to us as a gift when we received Christ as our Savior and our Lord. Now, it's futile asking God to give you faith because you already have the faith of God. All we need to do is the wisdom how to exercise the faith that's already been given to us. It is also futile to ask God to give us more faith unless we are willing to exercise the measure of faith that's already been given to us. The more we use the faith of God, the more it grows. The more we exercise the faith of God in our lives, the more this faith grows and multiplies. The Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. Therefore, for me, 
faith and the teaching on the God kind of faith is vitally important in a believer's life. For the scripture says, the righteous shall live by his faith. And we live every single day. In fact, the Bible says that we walk by faith. We should eat and drink by faith. We should think by faith. We should speak by faith. And whatever is not of faith, Scripture says it is sin. Anything that doesn't originate from faith, it is not acceptable to God. So, the purpose of our faith. Why did God give us His kind of faith? This is not a natural faith. It is a supernatural faith that's been deposited into our spirits. Now, the purpose of our faith is to bring us into our promised inheritance in Christ Jesus. It is to bring us into a place of rest, to bring us into a place of living free from all manner of fear, stress, and anxiety that this world is trying to trap us with. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus gave us this faith so that we may experience the abundant life that Christ came to give us. In John's Gospel, chapter 10, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and even have it more abundantly. So, the faith of God enables us to live not an ordinary life, but an extraordinary life. In other words, create an atmosphere here on earth of heaven. To live in an atmosphere of heaven right here on earth. Many believers, many Christians wait until they go, die and go to heaven in the by and by. But, listen, the Bible tells us that Jesus died on the cross not only to save us from our sin and ourselves, And not only for us when we die to go to heaven, but to bring heaven onto the earth. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. And the kingdom of God is near you. Therefore, God has given us this measure of faith to create an atmosphere of heaven right here on earth. To be able to live above the pulls and the pressures and the fears and the stress and the anxiety that this world throws at us. So when you get to exercise your faith and see the value and the benefit of this kind of faith, you become more appreciative. You learn to value this wonderful gift that God has given to every born-again believer. Now, there is nothing... Scripture says absolutely nothing in this world that can overcome or defeat the believer in Christ who knows how to use his faith. Scripture says that all things are possible. To whom? To those who believe. To those who have this kind of faith. And who are the people who have this kind of faith? The people who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen. How many of us believe that Jesus is the Son of God? I do. Therefore, we have this kind of faith. World overcoming faith residing on the inside of us. We just need to know how to use it. How to exercise this faith so that it grows 
and brings us into a place of rest. The Bible speaks about a rest of God, where we enter into this rest and we cease from our own labors. In other words, Christ works within us that which is pleasing to the Father. One of the prerequisites of being able to experience this freedom, of being able to use our faith, we must experience freedom in our way of thinking. For many of us, the very things that I've just mentioned now, they are just a foreign language or an undiscovered country. You mean to tell me that I can live in this present world without having to worry, without having to stress, without having to be anxious about anything? And my answer is emphatically yes. You can overcome fear. You can overcome anxiety. You can overcome stress if you learn how to rest in God and continually abide in Christ Jesus. Now, the reason why, for many of us, this is an undiscovered country is because of our wrong thinking. Now, we don't believe that that is possible. Amen? And this is the result of a mind that has not been renewed with the Word of God. And let me say this. Our thoughts can limit us, restrict us, and even imprison us. Or, our thoughts can deliver us and release us into a whole new world of possibilities. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. Look at and see what it says. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as you think in your heart, so are you. You are what you think, continually think. Amen? So before we learn how to exercise our faith or how to live in this world of possibilities, we're going to have to experience freedom in our way of thinking. Wrong thinking will always produce wrong believing. And let me make a statement. I have discovered that my faith will never rise above the level of my thoughts. And your faith will never rise above the level of your thinking. If you think wrong, you will believe wrong. And that is why it's important that we constantly renew our minds with the Word of God. Bringing our thoughts in agreement and in submission to the Word of God, which is being the first step to exercise the God kind of faith which was given to us in our new birth. And the renewing of the mind is not an instant thing. A person can be born again in a minute. You repent, you ask the Lord to forgive you and Christ to come into your heart, and the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that He raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, 
the new birth takes place instantaneously. You can be born again in a minute. But the renewing of the mind is a process that often takes years to complete the renewing of our mind. Thinking right, receiving the right thoughts, dwelling on the right way of thinking. So it's a process, it's an ongoing, ongoing exercise of constantly renewing our minds. The Bible calls this putting off the old man and putting on the new man. How do we put off the old man and put on the new man? The Bible tells us there's only one way to do it, by the renewing of our mind. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 and see it from the Scriptures. Colossians 3 verse 10, the Scripture says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him who created him. Now, you shed off the old man with his thoughts and his deeds by putting away the old way of thinking, and you put on the new man in Christ, which is renewed in his way of thinking. Amen? That's how you put off the old man, and that's how you put on the new man. There has to come a transformation of the way we think. Now, the Bible instructs us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, turn there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5, the Bible instructs us there to bring every thought into captivity and make it obedient to Christ. We cannot allow our minds to think any way they want to think. And that's where most of us have a problem. We're going to have to learn to discipline the way we think. Amen. Raise your hand if you're hearing me. We're going to have to discipline the way we think. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at it. Look what it says in verse 5. We cast down arguments. Another translation says, we cast down thoughts or imaginations. What is an imagination? It's a way of thinking. And every high thing that exalts itself above or against the knowledge of God, and we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice that we are the ones who do that, not God. Amen? God is not going to do that for you, and He's not going to do that for me. He says, you do it. I've given you the authority to cast down, to reject, to pull down every thought, every imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And you, it says, must bring every thought into obedience to Christ. Capture every thought and bring it into obedience. Make it obey Christ. That, it takes work. That, it takes discernment. You're responsible for what you think. I'm responsible for what I think. And our thoughts do matter. 
I want you to know that because some people think it doesn't matter what I think as long as I don't express it. I disagree. Your thoughts do matter. Because if you entertain thoughts that are in disagreement with God's Word, these thoughts, they drop down into your spirit and they become strongholds and habits in your life that is very hard to break afterwards. Amen? Now, thoughts of doubt and unbelief are not part of the new creation in Christ. Thoughts of lack, thoughts of poverty, sickness, disease, weakness, failure, thoughts of fear, do not belong to the, to the new man. These, these thoughts belong to the old man. But the Bible tells us what to do with the old man with his thoughts. We are to put him off and we are to put on the thoughts of the new man. How does this new creation think? He doesn't think fear. He doesn't think failure. He does not dwell on doubt. Fear, when fear comes, immediately he casts it down because he knows that God does not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So anytime these thoughts of fear or doubt come into your mind, you have a choice to entertain it, to meditate on those thoughts, or to cast them down. And say, no, this, this is not from God. I do not accept it. I only accept things that come from heaven, not things that come from beneath. You are from above. The new man is from above. And so the new man does not think fear, does not think failure, does not think, does not dwell on sickness and disease, does not dwell on doubt. Why? Because they don't belong to him. He has a new way of thinking. That is why I say to you that trying to believe God without the renewing of our minds is a futile exercise. Because every time you're trying to express or release your faith, you are constantly being pulled down by the way you think if your thoughts are not in line with God's promises. Many of us are trapped in a prison of fear, afraid to do certain things, because we are more afraid of the work of the devil, rather than believe God and His work. Hello? That's why we should question every decision that we make. Where does this decision come? Does it originate from fear, or does it originate from faith? Amen? That's why I say to you that your thoughts do matter. Now, Romans chapter 12 says that we are to think soberly and in line or in accordance with the measure of faith we have received. In other words, our thought life must line up with the measure of our faith. The person who thinks soberly is a person who has his mind in perfect agreement with his spirit, with a new man. Both heart and mind must be in the same place. The Bible says, can two walk together unless they are in agreement? Of course not. 
So your mind has to be in agreement with your spirit. And your spirit has to be in agreement with your mind so that the two can walk together. Otherwise, you will be tossed, the Bible says, between two opinions. James says, a double-minded man will not receive anything from the Lord. When you continually vacillate from one to the other, then you are being double-minded. That means your mind, your, your head and your heart are not in agreement. Therefore, you're going to have to bring your mind in agreement with your heart so that both dwell in the same place. They are in perfect harmony and in agreement with the Word of God. Otherwise, our faith won't work. And I believe this is one of the major reasons why many believers' faith is not working. They're not experiencing the blessing or the fruit of their faith because their mind has not been renewed. So both spirit and mind must live in agreement. And mind, let me say this. And you need to examine your thought life and your way of thinking. A mind that is dominated by fear is a mind that is dominated by the devil. A mind that is dominated by unbelief and doubt is a mind that is dominated by the devil. But a mind that is dominated by the peace of God, by the love of God and the joy of the Lord, is a mind that is dominated by the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand if you agree with me. Hallelujah. Now, let's go on here. This is so important. This is where the majority of believers live every single day. And if we're going to get out of this, we're going to have to renew our minds or our minds will keep pulling us back all the time. Keep pulling us back. Our spirit wants to go on with God. Our spirit wants to climb the heights of His presence. But if our minds are not renewed, they're going to keep us back. They're going to pull us back. They're going to trip us every time. That's why we're going to have to agree with God's Word and renew the way of thinking, receiving a new mindset. I have um, a slow connection, it says here, and I pray that you can still hear me. So please bear with me. I don't know sometimes. Peter, can you hear me? Peter? Those of you who can hear me, just raise your hand, please. Okay, because I'm experiencing some, uh, some slow connection on this side. <clears throat> Let me say this, and I'm going to say it again. I said it before. If we entertain thoughts that are contrary to the Word of God, in time, they begin to sip down into our spirits, deep down into our hearts. And these things, when they filter down into our hearts, they become strongholds and habits of speech, habits of behavior, which are very hard to break. That's how strongholds are formed. A stronghold is a, is a thought pattern 
which we have embraced sometimes since we were children. Uh, we've been taught that way perhaps by our parents, by our school teachers, or by some religious tradition. And it's become a way of thinking. And that becomes a stronghold that sometimes it's very difficult to break unless the Spirit of God intervenes and sets us free from the stronghold of those thoughts. Make no mistake, thoughts are very powerful. And, uh, and uh, what we think does matter. And let me say this, everything I receive from the Lord, and I am in the Lord now for 41 years, Everything I receive from God, every blessing, every promise that's been fulfilled in my life, came through the avenue of right thinking and right believing. Right thinking and right believing. Both my thoughts and my belief were in line with God's promise. I would line up my thoughts with God's promises of what he says in the Bible, and then I would exercise my faith in those promises. Sober thinking produces right believing. Now, let me give you a couple of examples just to bring it down, down to, to everyday living. When my children were small and growing up, and even when they grew up and they became adults and ready for marriage, I... Um, I always exercise the promises of God and I've always thought in my way of thinking the way God thinks about my children. I would line up my thoughts concerning God's promise for them when they were small and when they grew up. In fact, let me tell you this, when they were ready for marriage, even long before that, I married every single one of them by faith to the most suited and wonderful partners. I never feared that they're going to find the wrong person or they're going to... I never entertained thoughts of destruction or thoughts of failure concerning them. I've never entertained thoughts that they're not going to serve God and they're going to rebel and they're going to leave home. I've never allowed my way of thinking to go in that direction. We have 1977, my eldest was born, and 1980, my second girl was born. And I said to my wife, you know, the way we're going, we, it looks like we're going to have another girl. So we better line up our thoughts and our faith and believe God for a little boy. Well, it was during that time when I was exercising my faith, when I was learning these truths that I am preaching to you now. I was studying the subject of faith. I was meditating the subject of faith. It became for me a quest. I wanted to learn more and more about this wonderful gift that God has given me. So I found Mark 11.24. Do you know what Mark 11.24 says? Jesus is speaking and He says, Whatever you desire when you pray... Believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe. Now, many people pray, but few believe. In fact, some people think 
that the more people you get to pray, and the many people you get together to pray for something, you're going to have an answered prayer. But that's not what the Bible says. God hears believing prayer, not every prayer. Therefore I say to you, Jesus said, whatever you desire when you pray, believe. Believe what? Believe that you receive them and then you shall have them. Now most people want to have them, then believe. Now what's the use of that? Why should I believe for something I have? I don't need faith. Faith only comes into play when I'm believing for something I'm not seeing. Are you with me? So we came into agreement with my wife, and both of us believed and agreed on Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you desire, when you pray, believe. We believed and asked God for a boy. Sure enough, Stephen came along. That was a product and an answer to our prayer of faith in accordance to Mark eleven twenty four. Hello, are you out there? You know, often sometimes I test this out and I ask people, what do you want God to do for you? You know, most people answer me this way. Well, whatever God wants, I want. But that's not what I ask you. Jesus is asking every one of us, what do you want me to do for you? You need to come up with something. You can't, t- you can't say to the whatever you want, Lord, I want. But the Lord is asking you, what do you want? What do you desire? And we should pray our desires, not our fears. Many people are praying their fears. Pray your desires and believe God when you pray, you receive what you ask for. Hello? Praise the Lord. Now, In all the years of growing up, the kids or my children, I would never entertain thoughts of evil about them. Thoughts of fear, thoughts of sickness, thoughts of death, thoughts of accidents, thoughts of destruction. The moment they came into my mind, I would would spit them out and replace them with the thoughts of God. Because the Bible tells us, Every thought must be brought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought that exalts itself against the Word of God must be pulled down. And that's something that we do. That's not something that God will do for you. You have to choose what you think. Amen? You heard people say, well, you are what you eat. Truly, this is true in the physical but in the, in the spirit is also true, and in your emotional, you are what you think. And if you continually thinking you are a failure, then that's who you are, but that's not who God says you are. Amen? The Bible says you are a world overcomer. The Bible says you are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen? The Bible says you are a child of God, born of His Spirit. You have the life and the nature of God in your spirit. That's who you are. But you're going to have to choose to believe and to think that way. Many people can't receive the blessing of God because deep down in their heart, 
they, they harbor thoughts of unworthiness. I'm just so unworthy. Uh, they, they harbor thoughts of guilt, thoughts of shame. Instead of allowing the thoughts of God, the thoughts of forgiveness, the thoughts of redemption to, to fill their minds and hearts, they dwell on the wrong thinking. Why would God bless me? He blesses everybody else, but not me. Why? Because I'm such a worm. That is not godly thinking. That is unbelief and doubt. And this kind of thinking has no room in the new creation in Christ Jesus. So you've got to watch your thoughts. Now let me give you some thoughts that I've always thought about my children, even to this day. Isaiah 54, verse 13 and 14. Isaiah 54, verse 13 and 14 contains the thoughts of God concerning your offspring. And this is what it says. God is speaking and he says, All your children, all your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. Isn't that a wonderful thought from God? A wonderful promise? All your children, they're going to be directly taught by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God Himself. And great shall be the peace of your children. Praise God forevermore. That is God's word. That is God's promise. And these are God's thoughts for your children. And then he goes on to say, In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. What a wonderful way of thinking. Where we live life that is free from fear of destruction, fear from oppression. Not just for ourselves, but for our children and our children's children. God is greater than the devil. Amen. And I believe God and the blessing of God upon my children rather than what the devil is going to do. Because the devil has no authority over you or over your children. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have authority to resist him and rebuke him in the name of the Lord. So, embrace these thoughts. These are the prayers that I prayed for my children for many years. I would say to the Lord, Lord, thank you that all my children are taught by you directly. They are taught by the Spirit of God. They are taught by the Word of God. And great, Lord, is the peace of my children. And I thank you for the peace that is so vast and so great that you've blessed my children. And more, Lord, one more. In righteousness they will be established. And they shall be far from oppression and from fear, for fear shall not come near them, for it shall not come near them. Now these are the kinds of thoughts that we should be thinking. Amen? Let me give you another one. And this is for your children and your children's children. Isaiah 59 verse 21. Another promise from God. Isaiah 59, verse 21. 
underline these verses and pray them for your family, for your children. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them, my spirit which is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. Now there is a promise of God for your descendants and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. What is the promise of God? My spirit which is upon you and my words which I've put in your mouth shall not depart from the mouth of your children. Glory to God. That tells me they're going to walk in the Lord. That tells me they're going to live by the word of God. That tells me they're going to live by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And they will grow up and bring children who are godly. And they will leave a godly inheritance. These are the thoughts that I think. And let me give you one more. Acts chapter 2 verse 17. Acts 2 verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. What a promise for your sons and your daughters. Listen, folks, it's time we exercise our faith for our children, regardless of their age. God promises that our sons and our daughters shall prophesy. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Now, prophecy is the language of the Holy Spirit coming upon a person. Believe God for your offspring, even from young age that they will prophesy, that they will see visions, that they will see dreams, that God would manifest Himself. These are the thoughts that you should constantly think and cast out every other thought of fear. Fear of destruction, fear of corrupt character, fear of bad influence, fear of bad friends. Do not entertain thoughts of fear, but thoughts of faith and thoughts of peace about your children. I would think these thoughts, I would speak such words over them regularly, I would pray these words over them regularly, and sure enough, these words are fulfilled. All three of my children, glory to God, are in the Lord, they serve the Lord, they are in church, they married to godly spouses, born again, filled with the Spirit, serving the Lord in their capacity where God planted them. What a joy! What a joy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a testimony that you raise up a godly offspring in this world, that they believe God, they serve God with you. They are for the kingdom of God. That's the product of our faith. And I'm encouraging you, no matter what you see, no matter what goes on around you, no matter what circumstances they are in, I encourage you to believe God and to think the thoughts of God for them. Never speak evil of them. Never complain about your children. 
speak words of blessing and words of faith and words of courage and words of boldness over them because you as a father or as a as a person of authority your words carry power and authority and they influence the spiritual atmosphere in which your family walks in amen and this is just one of the areas that I would exercise my faith. I wish had, I had time to share with you more of these things. Another area where I have exercised my faith regularly is in the area of my own personal finances. You know, when it came to the area of my personal finances, I would line up my thoughts with God's thoughts. And I would exercise my faith in accordance with what He has promised me. And that's important, folks. It's no good bringing your tithe and your offerings and your first fruits to the Lord, and then you harbor thoughts of doubt and unbelief and lack and poverty. Hello! You've got to live in a world of abundance because God is a God of abundance. He is not stingy and he's not poor. Amen. You are a king's kid. Glory. We got to start thinking this way. If we don't think this way, we will never experience the blessing of God. Listen, folks, poverty is not in our pocket, it's in our minds. Lack is not in our pockets or in our bank accounts, it's in our way we think. For as a man thinks, so is he. That's what the Bible says. I didn't write the Bible. I just preach it. And say, preach it, pastor, preach it. Now, let me give you one of the thoughts that God gave me when we sold our business in Zimbabwe. God blessed us in the land of Zimbabwe for 15 years as business people with my wife, we were blessed in our business. God prospered us. But the time had come when God said, now it's time you sell your business and come follow me. And you know what? I had no church organization behind me, no mission organization that promised to support me financially. All I had was the promise of God when He said, go and I will provide for you. That's all I had. I didn't know where my next paycheck would come from. So we sold, we moved down south, and this is one of the promises that God gave me. But that just not belongs to me. It belongs to you as a child of God. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7 and 9. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7 through 9. And I want to encourage you to think these thoughts continually. To see yourself and imagine yourself in the promises of God. In the blessing of God. This is such a powerful promise from God. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 7 through to 9. For the Lord your God is bringing you. Write your name where it says you. Write your name right there. Into a good land. A land of brooks of water of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, 
of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you shall eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack how many things? Nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And that's the promise that God gave me. He said, I'm going to take you into a good land and there you're not going to lack anything. I'm going to provide everything for you. You will eat bread in abundance. You will lack nothing because I'm taking you into a good land. Now in the old covenant, there was a physical land that the children of Israel were promised. The the land of Canaan, the land of promise. When it comes to the New Testament, the land that the Bible speaks of is a land in Christ Jesus. When you come into Christ, you've come into your inheritance. Christ is our inheritance. And in Christ, there is no lack. In Christ, there is no failure. In Christ, there is no weakness. There is abundance in the kingdom of God. Amen? Praise God. Are you there? Hallelujah. Now, let me give you another promise. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. The same chapter, but go down to verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers. Wonderful promises from God. It is God who gives us the power to do. To do what? To create wealth. For what purpose? So that we can consume it all on ourselves? No, so that we can extend and establish the influence of God's kingdom on the earth. Amen? Now, notice also Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 10. I'm giving you a lot of verses, but these are a lot of thoughts. These are God's thoughts concerning you, concerning your financial welfare, concerning your children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 10 says, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. Wow, what a promise from God. This is our Heavenly Father, folks. This is what God promises you, if you will serve Him. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all of these things, Jesus said, will be added to you. Then I would turn over to the New Testament and I would find more thoughts that I would think and line up with my way of thinking. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, having always all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Let me ask you something. Do you see any lack in there? In these thoughts? 
there is not a trace of lack or scarcity or poverty. God says He's able to make all grace abound toward you. Write your name in it. That's you He's talking to. Think in line with God's thoughts. Speak in line with God's words. Amen? When you plan to do things that God told you to do, plan according to His riches in glory, not according to your own lack or insufficiency. Family, I want to share, I cannot stress this enough. The renewing of our minds, the transformation of our way of thinking, is so vitally important if our faith is going to produce the results that are godly, that honor God, that glorify God. We have to think in line with what God thinks and way God thinks. Amen. Let me give you another verse. Psalm 139. This is one of my favorite verses as well. 17 and 18. Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. The psalmist here is praying and he's talking to God. And he says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Wow. The psalmist says, Your thoughts are so precious to me, Lord. He values the way God thinks about him. He says, There's so many of them, so many wonderful thoughts. I cannot even count them. Amen. Does that encourage you today? When God's thoughts toward you are thoughts of peace and blessing, thoughts of strength, thoughts of victory in every sphere of life. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. You know what these thoughts do to our fears? It's like dynamite. You put dynamite beneath your fears and they're blown away. How can we fear amidst all of these promises and amidst all of these thoughts that God thinks towards us? Therefore, we need to choose to think thoughts that are in line with the Word of God and exercise our faith in line with what He says and not what the world thinks. Now, as I said, I am convinced that our wrong thinking places such limitations, not only on our faith, but also it limits God's ability to bring about His perfect will in our lives. Amen? So we need to be thinking the way God thinks. And so we come to the table of the Lord this morning and we're going to participate and partake of the bread and the wine. And Jesus said, whenever you do this, 
you do it in remembrance of me. In other words, he is saying, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember me. What do we remember? We remember the price that Jesus paid for our redemption. Amen? Not only do we remember the price that it was paid, but also we remember that the price that was paid has delivered us from the power of the curse and brought us into the blessing of the Lord. You with me? We have been redeemed from the curse and have been brought into the blessing. So our thoughts as we come to the table of the Lord, we should come full of faith, believing and thinking in line with what God has done and according to the price He paid for us. So our way of thinking should be one of, I am blessed. I've been redeemed from the curse according to Galatians 3.13 and 14. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I am redeemed from poverty. I am redeemed from spiritual death. I am redeemed from sickness and disease. I am redeemed from fear and doubt. And I have been brought into the kingdom of God. And I am blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed coming in. I'm blessed in the work of my hands. Now these are the thoughts that should fill our mind and our hearts Not just when we come to the table of the Lord, but every single day. You may wake up in the morning and you don't feel like you're blessed. But listen, your feelings have nothing to do with the fact. You must learn to differentiate between truth and feelings. You you may wake up in a situation that the circumstances are so overwhelming Does that mean that the Word of God is nullified? Never. Circumstances has nothing to do with facts. The Bible says that the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, what you can see and feel is subject to change. What you cannot see is unchangeable. Spiritual truths are higher than natural truths. And this is where most believers stumble. They said, I will believe it when I see it. Well, what's the use? Anybody can do that. Even the sinner can do that. But Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen, who have not felt, and yet have believed. So we take the bread and we take the wine and we come to the table of the Lord full of faith. What do we believe? We believe that we are redeemed. From what? From the curse. Into what? Into the blessing. So I'm blessed. I'm not unworthy. I was unworthy. But the blood of Jesus made me worthy. Hallelujah. Amen. There's such a song in my spirit I want to shout and shout on top of my voice for the, for the wonderful goodness and the mercy of the Lord. And as I said, for many believers so often, they have these inner thoughts of unworthiness, of guilt and shame, and that prevents them from receiving God's best for them. 
And these thoughts, these pictures need to be torn down violently with the Word of God. And out of your mouth must come the truth of the Word and nothing less than the truth. Don't speak evil. Do not fear. Don't speak your fears. Reject them. Resist them in the name of Jesus. So Lord, as we come to the table this morning, this afternoon, we come with a grateful heart, with a heart that is filled with faith. And we say thank you that you have redeemed us. We are the redeemed of the Lord and we say so. We proclaim it, Lord, from the housetops. We are blessed going out and we are blessed coming in. We are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. And the blessing of the Lord is mightily at work in all of our lives, in our children, in our grandchildren, in our finances, in our daily life, in our business. Thank you that the blessing is at work all because of what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. And we give you thanks and praise today. In Jesus' name. So let's partake it together in faith. And bless the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.